Back on the fan morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Let's shift a little Blue Jays. That off day yesterday, back in action tonight as they open a three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles. A big, big series. Orioles 41 and 24. We're nipping at the heels of the Orioles, but uh, Blue Jays had maybe salvaged a little bit of this past weekend with the Biggio home run to get that win on Sunday. Day off, currently in Baltimore, is our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's been a while. It's Dan Schulman, Blue Jays play-by-play announcer for sports. And how's it going, Dan? Uh, Good, Alish. How are you? I am swell. It's great to hear from you. How's Baltimore? Uh, Baltimore is very nice. I got in late last night, and uh, I've already had my morning coffee. My Whole Foods run is awaiting me at noon. I'm going to go get my salad, get my workout in. It's going to be uh, things deteriorate later on in the day. So you got to <laughs> you got to start strong and just try to get through the finish line if you can. I like that. It's a good way to maybe hope that the Blue Jays will start strong on this three-game <laughs> road trip, uh, three-game series, I guess, um, against the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, this is a pretty big one. We, uh, we don't always say that big series happened in June, but after um, a little bit of an off May and start to June, how important do you think that this series is against a team like the Baltimore Orioles? Huge. And, and I know like people like me have been saying for weeks, look at the schedule that's coming up, look at the <laughs> schedule, but it's been an unbelievable, you know, they just finished this 30 and 31 that we've been talking about forever. And they have an off day yesterday, which is great. And then you, you, you look ahead and it's Baltimore, Texas, Miami coming up on this road trip. The good news is the schedule finally, finally, finally on paper gets easier after that. They've got Oakland and San Francisco, the Red Sox are struggling, the White Sox, and then the Tigers. That's a stretch where they need to make up some ground. But this Baltimore one is big because it's not a stretch at all to think that it could come down to maybe the Blue Jays and Orioles for a playoff spot. You have no idea. So, um, you know, they lost all three to Baltimore at the Rogers Center or, uh, whenever it was, three, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. These are big. Um, you know, they've got to find a way to hold their own on this road trip and, and – you know, ideally at least take two out of three here and, and make up a little ground. You mentioned Oakland. I mean, they're the best team of baseball all of a sudden. That's so, true, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I should, <laughs> my bad. No, I, it's I funny because I always yeah. make fun of them as well. And then I just, yeah. the last five days, I've been betting against them and they just won't stop. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're scarier than Baltimore. But, uh, okay, so the Blue Jays lost, you said, the the three against Baltimore, um, the Rogers Center. So, in the last X amount of weeks or month and, and since they've played, where's your point of confidence that this isn't maybe a Blue Jays team that can get two or three out of, out of Baltimore? Well, one thing is I don't think Baltimore is playing quite as well. Um, and looking at some of their stuff on the plane on the way down last night, they are 10 and eight since they left Toronto. That includes a sweep they just had over Kansas City. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit, like not a lot, but there's a little bit of they've played an easier schedule. Um, if you look at like Kansas City, the White Sox, Detroit, and again, Oakland, uh, Baltimore's played 20 games against those teams. The Blue Jays have played 10 games against those teams. So uh, that's not to say it's all the schedule, but it's a little bit the schedule. And Baltimore's done a nice job beating up on the teams they're supposed to, to beat up on. So I, I think Baltimore's good. I think they're legitimate. I think they're a worthy playoff contender. Um, but I don't know that they're leaps and bounds better than the Blue Jays. If the Blue Jays play as well as they're capable of playing, I, I think they're the better team. So, um, you know, we'll see how they do. They've got uh, Bassett, Barrios, Kikuchi, it looks like, for this series. The three guys the Orioles have are all capable, but the Blue Jays have beaten all of them 
before and you know it, it might just might come down to can they swing you know can they swing the bats here well so i i think it's a very fair fight to be honest with you between these two teams i mean the orioles are certainly not the punching bags they were two three years ago but i i, I don't know that they are leaps and bounds better than the blue jays either i think they're it's a pretty even matchup dan are you surprised at all that Spur, uh, bassett brios kikuchi i think there was an opportunity here to maybe at least separate the kikuchi bullpen day going back to back but maybe it just tells you how important these games are it's like yeah, do you really want to have a bullpen day uh, in Baltimore here with these these games meaning maybe a little bit more than the ones uh, that right. will follow? However, it just, the point stands. I mean, having Kikuchi uh, in the bullpen day back to back sets you up for at least some uh, some stress on the shoulders of Kevin Gosman if the bullpen is taxed to get through those two games back to back in the order. Are you surprised that they didn't do anything uh, with the probables and they're going with the regular rotation at this point? Uh- I'm not surprised that they're not doing it in Baltimore for a couple of reasons. You mentioned one. I think the Baltimore games are huge. Not that the Texas games aren't, because it could also come down to the Blue Jays and Rangers for a playoff spot. But um, I think they're staying on schedule for Baltimore. This is an extra day of rest for all three of these guys who will pitch in Baltimore. And I'm not convinced the bullpen day is coming Friday. Uh, The bullpen day could be Saturday. Uh, It comes down to, do you want to give, do you want to put Gosman, give Gosman an extra day of rest? and have the bullpen day go Friday, or you can flip it and Gosman can be on regular rest because they had an off day yesterday, and you could put the bullpen day in there Saturday. And if you put the bullpen day in there Saturday, you only need the bullpen day one spot on this road trip, the fifth game of nine, the middle game of the nine. And then after this road trip, you've got off days Thursday and Monday. Then you can do whatever you want. You can easily split Kikuchi in the bullpen day. That would be my guess. My guess is Gosman goes Friday, Trevor Richards and whoever go Saturday. Then you go back to the other four guys um, in order. So Gosman gets the last game uh, of the road trip as well. And then coming out of that, I haven't like mapped it out beyond that game by game. But again, once you've got off days Thursday and Monday, you can do whatever you want. You can give guys an extra off day and split up Kikuchi in the bullpen day and, and whatever you want. So we'll find out. And I'm sure it'll be the first question John Schneider gets asked today. I'm sure he won't answer the question today because he doesn't need to answer the question today. We'll probably find out Thursday. We'll hear things like, you know, it depends on how things go between now and then, but they've mapped it out. Like the, um, you know, they've thought of all the different options and they've mapped it out. But my guess would be Gosman Friday, bullpen day, Saturday. Do you have any key takeaways from the bullpen day on Saturday? Uh, how you might tinker with it just a little bit? I mean, Trevor Richards seems like the right starter uh, in that sort of scenario, given that he's pitched at a really high level and looked comfortable doing it. It seemed like they ran out of gas or options or just uh, enough yeah. arms uh, by the end of it. But are there some key takeaways uh, from the initial run from the bullpen? Well, first of all, Richards did incredibly well. I mean, seven strikeouts through three innings is ridiculously good, you know, for a guy who had only pitched three innings once before. And he's been one of the kind of the hidden stars of this team um, this year. I I think they, and this is truly, and it depends, like if they're going to do it on Saturday, it depends what happens Friday and Thursday and all that. So, um, but for, you know, as of now, Thomas Hatch is on the team and he can give them multiple innings. Obviously, Nate Pearson can be used in a game like this if he's not needed elsewhere. But, um, you know, again, I, I truly think this is a, a that depends. Bowden Francis will be back at some point. They like them. Things have a way of working themselves out. I don't know if they can get them back by then. They can't unless there, you know, is an injury or some roster manipulation or, or something like that. But 
Um, he'll be back at some point. But I would think Richards um, is the is the opener or the starter or whatever you want to say. But they've got a decision to make with him. I mean, do you keep doing this every time you need this spot? Or do you think he is more valuable being used in, in other areas? And I, I'm not sure if, if we know the answer to that yet. But, I, but, you know, Richards will definitely be involved. And then after that, it probably depends on who was used in a couple of days leading up to it. Chatting with Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play-by-play announcer for us here at Sportsnet. So I think the rotation has been uh, maybe the biggest point of conversation as of late. You know, Alec Manoa obviously headed down to the Florida Complex League, but I think maybe the best thing that I've gleaned from this is how much this team has kind of bonded together. Maybe that's been shown by the, the rest of the starting pitchers. Um, not only have they obviously been great friends and great teammates to Alec Manoa, but that stretch right after that, that um, series with Houston Astros, we saw the next three up really dial it in um, and look like they wanted to to help this team. I wonder for you, and you're around the guys all the time, what this maybe uh, difficult point in the season has meant to the team unity, what you're seeing in terms of like the, the community around the clubhouse and how much they kind of rely on each other to get through this type of this type of week that wasn't always positive, as you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot going on on and off the field the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And I, I do think they're a close group, and I think they are fortunate. Um, and, and we're not in there all the time, but I think they are fortunate from what I can tell that they've got a lot of leadership in the room. They've got a lot of veteran voices. I mean, it, when you have a Chapman, a Springer, a Merrifield, a Gosman, a Bassett, you got a lot of, you know, you got a lot of guys who have been around. This mm-hmm. is not... This is not the, you know, the the young team of baby-faced kids that it was a few years ago. You know, all the guys I mentioned have come in in the last three years. They're all in their 30s, um, and they've all played on good teams at, at times in their careers at all. So I, I do think they're close. I don't know if you guys saw or talked about it. They did one of these goofy, you know, let's all dress like Matt Chapman on yeah, the airplane on the way down, right? <laughs> Which is kind of funny uh, to me. Matt Chapman was the most authentic Matt Chapman of the group, but there, but there were some close contenders uh, in that contest as well. Um, I, I think they know they haven't played as well as they should have played. They obviously are well aware of the difficulty of the stretch they just came through in terms of the schedule. They're aware of the challenges of this road trip as well. And and again, not that they're all hanging their hats on just nine more days and then it gets easier. But I think they understand they're still in it. They like they're aren't they half a game out? I think they're half a game out of a playoff spot mm-hmm. right now. So um, they're a game behind the Yankees and they're a half game behind Houston. Like things haven't gone well, and they're a game behind the Yankees and a half game behind Houston. I'm not saying they're going to make it. I don't know. They they got to play better. But I, I think they've got really good leadership and and some mature voices in the room that help them through um, some difficult times. You know, and and if they can just stabilize that fifth spot um that helps a lot i believe they are four and ten in that spot obviously most of that is manila starts 13 out of 14 and and unfortunately for him and the team most of the time they just didn't have a chance to win those games because he was struggling as much um as they have but um you you know hopefully belt is back tonight hopefully kiermeyer's back tonight hopefully jansen is back tonight those are also questions that have to be asked you know, down the road, maybe you've got Hyunjin, Ryu, and Chad Green. That's a month away at least, maybe six weeks away. But there are some reasons to think that I believe their record will improve. And it'll have to improve probably for them to secure a spot in the playoffs. But, you know, they're still in the fight, and uh, I, I think they believe in themselves.
Uh, maybe most representative of things not going quite as good as you expected would be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, there are some metrics over the 30 and 31 that he was, you know, if not the worst, close to the worst uh, uh, batter for the Blue Jays over that key stretch. Are you a little surprised by now that the the of the continued inability to shake the slump? I mean, there have been signs, but it's still not Vlad yet. Is it has it reached surprising right. levels for you? It has to a certain extent for me. So a couple of things. He set the bar so high for himself that even if he's better than like a couple of other guys on the team, we'll focus on his struggles more because he's Vlad and he's supposed to be a generational type of hitter. I spent like 45 minutes yesterday on a website called Baseball Savant, which, you know, it breaks down everything, the underlying stuff, you know, the the hard hit percentage and the launch angle and the chase percentage and the swing and miss percentage. Like I ignored the numbers. The you know I ignored the home runs and the, and all that stuff. I just looked at at the underlying stat cast stuff, and I talked to somebody in the organization too about them. And they those numbers still look good. And and I said to them, it doesn't really meet the eye test. It doesn't feel like he's crushing the ball and elevating the ball and barreling up the ball and et cetera et cetera. And if he is, how come the surface numbers aren't better? And it's a little bit mystifying to me they feel and it looks like he's making better contact than you know his numbers suggest but you just don't see it on a regular basis I think he's gotten a little bit and and I I think it's understandable you know he's supposed to hit a lot of home runs right and everybody knows he hasn't hit a home run at home that's a thing like that's clearly on his mind he wouldn't be human if it wasn't he doesn't look the same to me as he did in April I thought in April he made remarkable swing decisions, didn't chase, hit the ball up the middle into right field, like hit line drives, bullets like Matt Chapman was hitting back in April. I thought he looked great. I don't think he looks the same anymore. I think it looks to me like he's trying to pull the ball and lift the ball more, which is, you know, a, a way to try to hit home runs. And and I don't think it's quite working for him. So um, I imagine he's feeling a lot of weight on his shoulders. He's supposed to be the dude on this team, right? Whatever team he's on, he's supposed to be the guy, and and uh, and he's not. But it, it, it to me, it is a little bit concerning because if this team is going to be great, I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has to be great, and um, he hasn't been as bad, I think, as he's been, um, you know, portrayed as recently. But but he hasn't been as good as they need him to get either. This is a tough ballpark to change things because they move the left field fence back a mile and a half here and it's a whole it's a whole different ballpark than it used to be it's tougher right-handed hitters here but i just hope vladdy gets back to the process like taking the pitches he's supposed to take just hitting line drives you know his natural swing is not one that elevates the ball crazy to the to a crazy extent to hit a ton of home runs his natural swing hits rockets hits line drives some of them get caught, some of them go out, some of them hit the fence, but I, I hope he gets back to his natural process and his natural swing and just lives with those results, whatever they may be. Uh, not that Blue Jays fans have been inclined to offer him grace, but uh, Kevin Biggio would be at the opposite end of the spectrum, but at least in terms of expectations when it comes to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And uh, one swing does not make a season. Uh, but a little faith in Kevin Biggio over the last little while justified given that he's had a little bit of an uptick in performance and he's delivered a big moment, at least this weekend. He's actually been kind of quietly pretty good for about three, four weeks. Um, he's got, um, again, I looked at this is what you do on an off day when you're as boring as I am. You look at stuff like this. And, and his OPS over the last month or so or something is like 760, which is you know, noticeably above average uh, in the major leagues. He's played a little bit more. He's hit a little bit more. 
Um, he's made some swing changes that he told me about a few days ago, and we documented on the broadcast. I can't remember, maybe Friday or, or something like that. I think he's doing okay. I mean, he's not going to be a star, but he can be – um, a, a contributor. He had a hit on an 0-2 pitch on the weekend, and then he hit that uh, second longest home run of his career. And especially when they had other guys out, like with uh, Kiermaier out and Belt out, like they had a need. And he stepped in and had arguably the biggest hit of the season for them. Like, I think we'd be having a whole different con- – and it's only one win. But and I'm sure you guys would agree. I think we'd be having a whole different conversation if they had lost that game on Sunday. So um, that's a big moment for the team and a, and a big moment for him. And I think he's contributing, which is all all you ask him to do, whether he gets one start a week or four starts a week, um, you know, just hit a home run every now and again, take a walk every now and again, play play adequate defense wherever they put him, second, first or right. And uh, I think he's been better the last month. Dan, are the Blue Jays fans just the best all-star game voters in the league? They're <laughs> stuffing the ballot boxes. We've got Bo, yeah. Vlad, Chapman already leading uh, the top of, of their positions for top vote getters. Uh, any chance you could see all three, maybe more at the all-star game? It's funny. Uh, you know, as you'll find out if you go on any other team's fans account, well, it's not fair, you know. They've got a whole country yeah, behind yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Bo's going to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's way out in front. I don't know the exact numbers, but I looked at them yesterday. Bo's way out in front. The only other guy worthy of it would be Wander Franco, and he's not going to get enough votes. So Bo will be there. I don't think Vladdy will start. Yandy Diaz was right on his heels. And to be honest, Yandy Diaz is having a better season mm-hmm. than, than Vlad is. And I would imagine, even though he's a Ray, that, um, and, and that's why it amazes me Franco's not getting more votes because uh, Yandy Diaz is getting a ton. I would imagine Yandy Diaz overtakes Vlad, but you never know. Chapman has a shot. Um, I think second was Josh Young, the rookie third baseman for the Rangers, who's having a very nice season. Um, But Chapman's numbers are comparable, and his defense is better, uh, and he's a bigger name. So I I think Matt Chapman's got a shot. In terms of starting, I would would think that's it. Uh, Bichette will get there. Chapman might get there. Vladdy could get there uh, as a reserve. Um, even a guy like Whit Merrifield's got a chance. If you look at second base, it's not like overflowing mm-hmm. with candidates, but you know, like Kansas city's got to get a guy, Oakland's got to get a guy and that, you know, that can impact some of the reserves as well. Um, to me, Kevin Gosman should be there and Jordan Romano could be there. So I think they will be well represented, maybe somewhere, you know, three, four, maybe five, although that seems like a bit of a stretch, um, which is nice. It's always nice. Uh, I'm sure, they would trade a couple of all-star bids for a few more wins in the standings, though, and and, and do it that way. But it's um, it, it's nice to see, especially Bo Bichette, getting the recognition that he deserves for the season he's had. So we learned about Kevin Gosman and the rally beers over the weekend. <laughs> uh, not that you ever have a uh, bad broadcast, Dan, but if maybe you felt like you didn't have your best show, how, do, uh, how does Dan Shulman either Buck or Joe bump a little broadcasting slump? We be, I beat myself up mentally until the next game. No, that's not very, as fun. I find that's very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, I guess it's like the term where you hear like if like if a closer blows a save or if a team if a team gets destroyed in a game, you hear the phrase. You know, you just flush it. I, I just mm. I, I try to learn from the moment. If I make a mistake that really bothers me and it happens, um, I, I probably I might go back and watch it, but I'll probably say, okay, here's what I did wrong. Here's what I need to do right. And then you try to put it out of your mind. It's just like a reliever, actually, because you got another 
you've got another game the next day. So I do beat myself up, not as much as I did when I was younger. Um, you get a, you know, you, um, I guess you change your ways, you change your views a little bit as you get older, but um, yeah, a nice glass of wine helps too. I, I'm one of these people that thinks wine makes everything better. So um, Hazel and Joe and I made everything better last night. We there had a nice go. glass there of wine last night. So, yeah, I, I thought it might have been like fries instead of the salad at Whole Foods or something. Uh, oh, I, I do. I yeah, I will do a little bit of that. Um, yeah, I will do a, nachos more. Mm, yeah, nachos yeah. is a problem. Yeah, but there were there were no nachos in in my uh, available universe last night. So, but um, a nice, nice. We, we had a nice time. <laughs> yeah. W- wine makes everything better. It, um, so, but no, I'd hope I'm pretty good. I I'm, I'm, I'm very disciplined until about three o'clock. It, it, I'll, I'll be at the make your own salad at the, at Whole Foods, but I cannot promise you what I what I might eat at ten thirty after the game tonight. Only celebratory wine for a couple uh, good broadcasts in Baltimore. Yes. Uh, we look Amen. forward to them, Dan. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, and uh, yeah, we'll do it again soon. All right, guys, have a great day. Thanks. Uh, you as well. That's Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play-by-play announcer for Sports Center. Our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus. Where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. We need that on a shirt. Wine makes everything better. Dan Not, Shulman. Nachos with Dan? Yeah, that's a I'd dream. I'd love to do nachos with Dan. You know, Jay's care does raffles. It should be... Dude, yes. Nachos <laughs> yes. with Dan. That's your yes. outing. You just go 100%. find some nachos. Like, we will float that to him next Here's time. a free idea. Um, he mentioned the, the numbers for the All-Star voting. So, Bo is running away at shortstop. A 398,000 lead on Corey Seager. Uh, in terms of votes, and mm. Vladi only has a 12,000 vote lead on Yandy Diaz. Chapman with a 4,000 vote lead on Josh Young. So this is a bit close, but Kirk fourth in voting among catchers. Brandon Belt sits second for DH. All three Toronto outfielders are in the top 10 with Kevin Kiermaier, George Springer, and Dalton Varsho. Whit Merrifield is third in voting on second base. So they're all kind of in the convo, but you it know, really you have- is unfair, but I love how unfair it is. Get a couple. We get we get good representation there. Whatever. It's fun. Go we, we got some, we got some real all stars though. Canada's having there. a moment. You know, Taylor, Jamal Murray, every available Blue Jays player in the All Star game. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. They don't have the William Nylander problem. No, they don't. They don't. But uh, Kirky last year that was a fun one. Uh, he's uh, fourth among catchers. So well, we'll see. Get voting, everybody. You can get voting. I think you can vote like a. You know what? I should get the exact number, how many times you can vote a day, but it's not hard to find. Let's get the Blue Jays in there. It's a lot. So, yeah, that's that's why you have a lot of Blue Jays. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got one more guest on the other side of the break. Aaron Rose is going to join us. As we mentioned, the Toronto Raptors are introducing their new head coach today at 1 o'clock. We'll have that live on the show. Ben Ennis will have a three-hour edition of Fan Drive Time to help you get through that. And then Will and Alex will have the Raptors show at 4 o'clock. They'll have the newest head coach at 4.30 live on the station. So you want to hear from him with the Raptors guys? we got a full day of Raptors coverage to come. But Aaron Rose will join us after the break, and then we'll fit in a baby awaken rake. So send those picks in at 590-590. got the Stanley Cup final. Is it awarded tonight? Is the Con Smythe awarded tonight? Well, we'd be very happy and fat and happy in the morning. We'd be rich. Well, we could be, but we could also be drinking the wrong Kool-Aid here with the Jack Eichel hype, and maybe we got sucked into it. 
eating cheap nachos Ooh, with sad that's, faces. That's a t- nobody wants cheap nachos. Unless it's got a lot of cheese and we're all good. Okay, Aaron Rose after the break. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another big one today down at OVO. Big press conference. That's what we get, the that's what we get most excited about now <laughs> with the Raptors. Press, press conferences. conferences. Learnings. So what Masai Ujiri thinks and says and does. Not does because he doesn't not doing much lately. He did he did uh, hire a new coach though. That's the biggest thing he's done in a long time. His name Justin. is Darko. He's Serbian. There's some tie there to the best player in the world, Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, to learn about Darko before we learn about Darko, let's bring in our next guest, Aaron Rose, Sports Illustrated. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. I just you had me in a panic. They're not meeting at OVO today. They're meeting at Scotiabank. Yeah, come on, Justin. Okay, oh, I was keeping you on your toes. <laughs> There you go. Scotia Bank for I mean that's different. Is that that's big time? Usually that's it's not. Big, it is today's a big day. What's the difference? You tell me then. What's is it's got to be positive news to be Scotia Bank? The Leafs can't be around. I, what's what's the difference? There you go. I guess seasons open at Scotia Bank Arena, and I guess seasons end unless they're ending in Nathan Phillips Square. They end at OVO with bad news. Darko doesn't want to see that video board. Not yet, at least. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Okay, so why why did the, the Blue Jays go? I don't want to say off the board. The Blue Jays. The Raptors. Ooh. Why did the Raptors go a little off the board? Why did the Raptors end up with Darko Rayakovic? Why and what do we know about this new coach for the Raptors and where they might be headed based on this coaching hire? I'd probably be better off answering this question in a couple hours after I hear from these guys because the truth is that Darko is, as you mentioned, an off-the-board hire. He's somebody with no NBA head coaching experience. And anytime you're talking about assistants, it's a little tough to know what they get credit for. And it sounds like from everything I've read and heard that everyone speaks highly of this guy. I don't know if you hear people coming out of the woodworks being like, the Raptors shouldn't have hired this guy. So I don't know if we're, we're going to get negative feedback about him but seems like a a young coach a player development coach an offensive coach and i think the raptors could use all of those things that being said if you had asked me uh what nick nurse would have brought to this team uh five years ago i probably would have said he's an offensive guru who's a guy who can develop a bench and knows how to uh work with bench players and i think Six years later, obviously a very successful hire in Nick, but somebody you probably would have said the opposite. So uh, anyone who tells you they know for sure what Darko is going to bring is probably not telling you the truth. Yeah, a bit of an unknown, obviously. Uh, And when there are unknowns that you suddenly need to know a lot about, you do one thing, and that's research. And I'm sure you've researched Darko just a little bit uh, in preparation for today's event down at Scotiabank Arena. In that research, what's the most interesting thing you found? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people listened to that podcast. He was on Basketball Immersion, I think is what it was called. Uh, Talked about the 0.5 offense, something the Spurs sort of popularized years ago. And it's just about making quick decisions. And I think the Raptors were among the worst teams in making quick decisions last year. It was a lot of isolation balls. Give the ball, or a lot of isolation possessions, excuse me. Give the ball to Pascal Siakam, find a mismatch, and he'll dribble the arrow to the ball for a few minutes, or a few seconds, excuse me, and then try and take advantage of that mismatch. And I think based on what he said in that podcast, it sounds like he wants everyone making quick decisions, either drive, shoot, or pass. So there's not a lot of time for indecision and mismatch hunting. And I think that's something the Raptors could use. 
That being said, this isn't a team with a ton of decisive and super talented playmakers right now. So sometimes you just have to build the best offense or the best strategy for the team that you have. And the Raptors have a team that's a little bit clunky right now. And we're going to see what this offseason brings. It's a big pivotal offseason for this team. So, uh, it, as I said, we're going to have to learn a lot about Darko if, if he coaches Summer League and then uh, as the season starts because it's going to be a learning experience for everyone. Is it fair to assume that with a head coach seems to have, from our understanding and from yours, a lot of experience with developing players and changing around an offensive structure that maybe the pieces aren't on the Raptors roster at this point and they would be looking to maybe make a pivot, maybe make a rebuild, maybe a retooling. If you're drawing a conclusion to new coach, maybe new structure, is it fair to assume that that might be what Masai might allude to today? So I, I don't think Masai will necessarily directly True. allude to that. He'll probably say, we are here to win. We want to win in Toronto, as he does in all these press That's conferences. Right. Uh, we can play the Masai Ujiri uh, win the number of times he says that uh, game, if you guys want, this afternoon. It's a um, dangerous drinking when, game. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think if they had hired a more established coach, someone like Doc Rivers, who it sounds like was never given consideration, Mike Budenhoser, even Sergio Scariolo, who we know was given consideration, but he's, I think, 62 years old and has been a winner everywhere he's gone in Europe. You might have been able to read into that or understandably could have read into that and said, these coaches aren't here for a rebuild. And I would say that Darko at least doesn't project that image. So does that mean the Raptors will rebuild or retool? I'm not quite ready to say that. And uh, I was on your show the morning of the trade deadline. Mm. Adamant, I think, as we all were, that the Raptors were going to pivot toward that retool or rebuild. And obviously they didn't. So sometimes you never know. And it sounds like that's the indication everyone has is they have no idea what the Raptors are doing. But I think the Darko hire keeps the options open for this team. Uh, What they will do specifically, I don't think anyone knows right now. Well, could Fred Van Vliet just, like, force them into that rebuild? He, of course, opted out of the final year of his deal. The player option turns it down. It makes all the sense in the world. I think everyone knew this was going to happen. Uh, but it still, like, clouds the future. And we just had Adam Lefko on about an hour ago, and he was pretty convinced he's going somewhere else. Uh, so that would leave the Raptors uh, without any guard guards rather than guard depth, which we've been talking about for so long. So, uh, you know, if if if... You know, I guess your take on Fred's decision, which again, not really a surprise, but what you think is going to happen, where you're leaning in terms of Fred's future, and what it would mean to the Raptors if Fred just walked out that door. So, as you mentioned, not surprising that he opted out. I think everyone foresaw this coming. He will get a raise and he will get more years. So that isn't all that surprising. And I think in the past, we've learned whether it was through, I think, Fred's free agency in the past or Kyle's free agency in the past. And sometimes these guys uh, head into free agency and people are concerned. They're going to leave the Raptors. They're going to get these huge offers from Detroit or whatever, New York or whatever, and they don't end up materializing. And the Raptors still pay them handsomely, sometimes more than they probably need to, although all of those contracts end up looking pretty good. But I think the Raptors are really good at retaining their guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if Fred came back, because in the NBA, with the way the salary cap works, you can't, it's not like you have Fred, Fred leaves and all of a sudden you have $22 million to go spend on someone else. So the Raptors have no way to replace him. And as you mentioned, doesn't sound like anyone here is a big fan of Malachi Flynn in the starting lineup. So the Raptors don't have a way to replace him on the roster. Uh, they would need to work out a sign and trade. 
And I think people are hoping for some huge return in the sign-and-trade, and generally speaking, that doesn't happen. So I think Fred will be back because I think the Raptors are in a really bad spot if he's not back. But I could totally understand Fred's perspective. He just signed with a big agency, one uh, that we know is linked to the Lakers, Clutch Sports. Uh, the Lakers sort of have a need at that kind of position. Could he go there? Maybe. Uh, I think it's tougher for the Suns, but we've heard rumors about uh, Houston potentially being interested. We've heard rumors about the Orlando Magic being interested. And both of those teams don't need the Raptors' help uh, to bring Fred in. We know Fred's the guy who wants to get paid, understandably so. I I do too. And I I could totally see him taking his talents elsewhere this summer. So uh, as as we talked about, big summer for the Raptors with a couple free agents that could go in either direction. Justin and I were debating this earlier in the show about if uh, Fred's trade value would have been higher at the trade deadline or in a sign and trade now uh, a couple months later after the way that the season went. Um, I mean, you can always do revisionist history and look back at maybe what you could have got back then, but does it already seem like you're getting less for Fred Van Vliet at this point? I, I know we don't know what a sign and trade could be, but you know, if you're, if you're trying to speculate the, the return. So we know after the trade deadline that Masai Ujiri made a comment along the lines of, like, we will be able to get whatever we could have got at the trade deadline Mm -hmm. in the summer. And he he mentioned, I think there are like 29 losers, I think was his line. (laughs) And, and, you know, with with the exception of Denver, everyone, and probably including Denver, everyone else is looking to get better. So you could make the argument that teams are looking for guys like Fred Van Vliet, and more teams are looking for guys like Fred Van Vliet, and it's easier to add a guard like that and sort of a, a crucial player to your offense in the summer. That being said, uh, sign and trades don't bring back a ton of value. And specifically if those teams that don't need to work a sign and trade because they have the cap space can just bring in Fred, there's no need for a sign and trade. So they're not just going to do the Raptors a favor and mm-hmm. give them something in return for Fred. That being said, I remember reading Grange's tweets at the time. And I think, you know, when we were drawing up, fake trades ahead of the trade deadline to the Raptors get a first round pick or two first round picks or this young player for Fred Van Vliet. And based on Grange's reporting at the time, it sounds like the Raptors actually weren't offered very much for Fred, maybe because those teams saw him as a rental player or someone that they could just pursue in the summer. So they're like, we don't need to give the Raptors much. Now, some of those teams might be kicking themselves because might've cost them a championship. Although I think Denver would have been tough to beat, but Maybe if the offers were small at the trade deadline, then you're not really missing out on much if the offers are small in the uh, in a sign-in trade deal. But you would think that the Raptors probably could have gotten more for Fred at the trade deadline, even if it wasn't very much. So you're going to hear the word win a lot, as you mentioned, whether you like it or not today. Sure. Um, but what do you want to hear? If you're a Raptors fan, what should you want to hear? What, what, do you, what would like satisfy you from Masai Ujiri today, you know, I guess separating Darko from this equation a little bit because, you know, a little best behavior, this is who I am, a little introduction, the real stuff, the meat of the conversation is probably going to come from Masai or should come from Masai. So if you're a fan today, what do you want to hear from the president of the Toronto Raptors? The truth is you want to hear things that he's not going to tell you. I want to know what the direction of this organization is. I look around the league, and there's probably 27 teams. I went through them briefly the other day, 26, 27 teams, that I look at it and say, okay, I know what you're doing or trying to do. Will it work? I don't know. Probably not for most of these teams, but at least I see the direction that they're going. With the Raptors, uh, I, can't, I have no idea what they're doing. Are they trying to build around Scotty Barnes? Maybe. Are they trying to continue to run this back and make a few tinkers like they did for so long with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry? That obviously worked. 
they might be doing that too. So I don't know what they're doing. And I think, and I'm sure, if it's not asked by someone else, I will ask Masai, what's the plan here? But he's not going to tell us. He's not going to say, he's going to say, as, as we talked about, we're trying to win in Toronto. He's not going to say, you know what? I'm trading OG Ananobi. I'm trading Pascal Siakam this summer. We're going to try and rebuild around Scotty Barnes. So unfortunately, and I guess it makes sense, I don't think we're going to get a ton of transparency from Masai Ujiri. I think we'll get a lot of winning. And then I think when the trade, or excuse me, when the draft rolls around, that's when we, we might see what really the plan for this organization is moving forward. Because it's almost at this point, it's like your words aren't going to mean much. You're not going to tell us much. Let's see it through the actions of what this team is trying to do moving forward. What do you think the Raptors should do with Pascal Siakam? I think they need to take calls on these guys because I think they're in a really tough spot. Now, I think as we talked about at the trade deadline, when you traded that first round pick next year, it made it more complicated because if you're trading your best player in Pascal Siakam this summer, presumably, I think it's a fair assumption that you are going to be worse next year. And you're worse next year. You weren't very good last year. And now you're giving up, you know, unless they're a bottom six team and it's pretty hard to do that. You're giving up the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th pick in the draft for Jakob Pertl. So maybe that's just a sunk cost and you see what you can get for Pascal Siakam. And if, if you end up giving the Spurs the eighth pick in the draft next year, so be it. But when I look at this team, they only have six, let's say six good valuable players. I'm taking Precious Achua out of that equation um, after his rough year last year. But three of those guys are expiring free agents, and that, that we're going, going to assume that Gary Trent Jr. is opting out. So that's Gary, Fred, and Jakob Pertl. Scotty Barnes, I'm going to assume, is not being traded. And that leaves two guys with value. That's Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And OG Ananobi is the best defender on the team and one of the few guys that can shoot on this team. Now, he has his own contract issues. But if you don't want to trade maybe your best or second-best shooter on a team that needs shooting, the only guy left over is Pascal Siakam, who has a bit of a talent overlap with Scotty Barnes. So I'm looking at him and saying, okay, what can I get for uh, Pascal Siakam? Now, is Masai going to make that decision? We're going to have to wait until the, uh, the draft night to find out. But those two guys, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, are the guys I'd be looking at to move this summer. Could be a lot of action to come. I, I mean, guess we kind of hope so, especially for you. Uh, we're talking to Aaron Rose, Raptors reporter at Sports Illustrated. Okay, so last night we did see the NBA champions crown the Denver Nuggets and Kitchener's very own Jamal Murray. How special was it to watch what he's been able to do overcoming injury, getting to the stage, being you know a co-star with the best player in the league and having his own moment and superstardom that we saw last night? I think it's awesome anytime the NBA sees a team like Toronto, like Denver, win a championship. Mm -hmm. Because obviously Kawhi Leonard came to Toronto and maybe that was sort of the mercenary guy. But this was a team that fans saw grow and develop. It wasn't you go out, you make a big sign, and you're in Miami, and it seems to happen all the time, even though that Miami team was, was actually not like, I think, a lot of the other Miami teams. But anytime you see a team that doesn't get to win a championship, win a championship with homegrown guys who you've seen come up short before, you've seen battle injuries and overcome the odds and all those things. We're talking about a second-round pick who became the best player in the league and a Canadian kid who you know battled an ACL injury and overcame it. That's really awesome to see. So I'm thrilled for Denver. Uh, I don't think Denver is going away anytime soon. But again, anytime we see teams like this, uh, like Toronto win championships, it's awesome for the NBA. Okay, so a new era in Raptors history begins today, not at OVO, at Scotiabank Arena at 1 o'clock. I uh, appreciate you joining us this morning, and you'll learn lots today, and we'll chat with you down the road, Aaron. Looking forward to it.
Thanks so much. That's Aaron Rose, Raptors reporter for Sports Illustrated. And as we mentioned, we'll have the introductory press conference live on our station at 1 o'clock today. And you can hear from Raptors head coach at 4.30 with Will and Alex on the Raptors show. So lots to come, lots to learn, hopefully, of this new era of the Toronto Raptors. I've done that before. Showed up at Scotiabank Arena no, when you haven't. a press conference was at Ford Performance Center. Ooh, that's not even close. You couldn't even get there in time. Uh, I missed about five minutes. I was all right. What speed limit were you on the gardener there? What's that? No, I was just early. Oh, good for you, Justin. <laughs> and then it, I was not. I was not early. Um, all right, let's hit a wake and rake to wrap up the show. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okie dokie, Stanley Cup final game five tonight. Do we see the Stanley Cup, the greatest trophy in sports lifted we didn't even pick who the cup would be handed to next and next i love that but we don't have oh, the, we could have done an order we don't have it we are running out of time uh yeah the stanley cup uh it's in the building uh and i think that will be motivating uh for the vegas golden knights mm-hmm. uh, so how do you play that well you could look at point totals you could look at you know goals or something like that I, i'm just gonna say hey how about just total output and how do you measure output in hockey you measure output in shots uh i think you either go sergey Bobrovsky over 20 and 28 and a half saves assuming he's not a bum in this game, and I think that's a safe assumption. Or you do the total shots for Vegas. Uh, the one that I could find was Bobrovsky's total saves. So I'm going to take over 28 and a half saves for Sergei Bobrovsky. Hopefully he doesn't get pulled. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of pucks headed in his direction because you're trying to win a Stanley Cup on home ice. So uh, I think they went over that total uh, at least in one game. They pulled Bobrovsky in, in one of the other games at home, uh, but they went over that total in game one and i expect them to be doing the same thing with the chance to win a championship so over 28 and a half shots or saves rather for sergey Bobrovsky. i hope that a lot of those are jack eichel shots okay let's yeah. just manifest a jack eichel performance for the ages tonight and save those march or so shots for yes. us there bob let's hope that he's more of a passer tonight okay so for my pick i'm going to the blue jays orioles game um huge series here for the Toronto blue jays as we teed up with dan shulman Three games in Baltimore against a team that uh, they're competing with uh, quite closely. Uh, Chris Bassett on the mound tonight. He is a new dad, and he has been playing very rad. Oh, sorry. I'm going to go over strikeouts for Chris Bassett tonight. I'm seeing it at four and a half. It's got a little juice. I would even probably do five and a half. He's been dialed in. I mean, um, a joy to watch. So, Chris Bassett it on the mound. Seems low, doesn't it? The Hound on the mound. It seems I'm real low. Well, I'm seeing it at four and a half somewhere, so I'm going to grab it while I can. Five his, and a half might happen. His last uh, five, his five yeah. strikeouts last eight, five, four, seven, yes, eight, yes, five, yes. seven. I mean, it seems yep, like uh, it. four and a half seems like a really good bet. Okay, so Chris Bassett over K is for me. Let's go through some picks. Morning, Ailish and Justin. I'm going Jay's run line, minus one and a half tonight versus the Orioles. That's Courier Chris, who's in Newmarket. Oh, yeah, Newmarket, great spot. Here's Corey from Port Hope. Bad luck yesterday, staying away. Away from Oakland, taking plus money on the NL Central leading Pirates against the Cubs. Cubs plus one twenty. Pirates money line is Corey from Port Hope's pick. Okay. Um, no. Oh, sorry, that was not Corey. From this Port is Hope. Corey from. That Port was Hope. an unnamed texture. This is Corey. This from is Port Corey Hope. from Port Hope. For my wake pick today, I'll take Atlanta minus one and a half over the Tigers. Will from Niagara. He's going hound on the mound over strikeouts. It's my guy, Sharon O'Brien. I love it. Oh God, how did I get this text? 
Okay, Neil in Newfoundland. Good morning. It took the wrong guy coming back from injury yesterday. Berrettini out two months, didn't look sharp at all. Yet Milos uh, Raonic is back, eh? Out two years, looked like he was ready to win a tournament. I saw that yesterday. Um, today, I have an outright winner that I love. ATB, ATP, Hurtangombosh, Hurtangombosh. That's just the tournament. You kind of got away with That's not saying that. I know, but I I'm, I do it for Neil. Arthur Fields to win over Adrian Manorino. Fields is on a really good run and has two grass matches coming to this one, which he's won every set. Manorino has gone through a tough stretch for months and haven't and hasn't had any tune-up matches on grass. So take Fields plus money at one fifteen. Wow, Neil picking a dog. I, I like that. Neil I, Neil likes a dog. I like the dog. Okay. And final one. Hey guys, been a while. This is Cody from St. Kitts. He loves Belt to get 1.5 bases tonight. Kramer has a good record against Springer, Bo, and Vlad. So buyer beware on the money line. But yeah. I don't, we don't know if he's playing. Belt's back in the lineup. He's been hot. But that hammy might just bite back. Okay. Let's uh, let's pick one then. Uh, okay. So we got the strikeouts. That correlates with the jam. I'm kind of... Want to go to the dog with Neil? Arthur Fields? Might be starting soon, though. How about... Corey from Port Hope, because I messed up his text. Atlanta, run okay. line. Atlanta, run line. Um, yes, the, the the game, the tennis match is at 9.30, so we can't do that one. Um, sorry, Neil. So we're going to do Corey from Port Hope, Atlanta over the Tigers, and let's parlay that up quickly because we are up against the clock. We are really up against it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so maybe just throw out a fake number. In the range of plus 500? I think we're plus 500. Yep, I like that a lot. It is plus 428, so there you go. go. There's your Tuesday morning wake and rake. Uh, Stay tuned for our coverage of the Raptors' newest head coach all day today, 1 o'clock with Ben Ennis and 4.30 with the Raptors show. We'll chat with you tomorrow.